Education is the key to success. Go to school, get a job, and live a good life. That is the African dream. And Jay, is it just me or someone light to the masses? People are on these streets carrying their entire alphabet of degrees, and yet they are living hand to mouth. No one is questioning what are we learning? Why are we learning it? What is education? And what is success? Let's not forget, there's also a growing number of people with special and varying needs who do not even have access to basic education. I have to ask, is education in Africa broken? My name is Tebo Hakangota III. Join me every week as I sit down with experts, educators, parents, and students to talk about the state of education on the African continent. It's a lot. Welcome to the Educated Africana. to tackle a topic that I believe relates to all of us, especially as African children, African adults that have been educated in Africa. Representation. Representation matters. And with me, I have Fisye and Kampala to just share some knowledge, share what they have experienced and what they they are actually doing about it. Fisye, if you'd like to go first and just give a short introduction about who you are and how do you relate to this topic? I'm a writer based in Lusaka, Zambia. Uh, I'm also a journalist. I write books for age groups from the age of one to the age of five. Uh, So these books are distributed mainly in South Africa and in South African languages. Uh, So we write characters that are very African in nature, um, experiencing a very African life. So I believe that representation is really important because the books that we get in Africa are about situations that we don't relate to. Like you find a book with snow in it. Most countries in Africa don't have snow. So (laughs) that has always puzzled me, just to puzzle me as a kid also as well. I would get these books with characters with blue eyes, pale skin, blonde hair. And I was always wonder like, <laughs> why are we getting these books as African kids in African schools? So I'm fulfilling uh, also uh, my childhood dream of having characters that look like me, characters that look like my friends also. So for me, representation is something that's very dear to my heart. Thank you so much, Fisia. You're already going into like the beef of the conversation, but it's okay. You're already there in the meat <laughs> there. That is good. Amapala, can you just introduce yourself shortly? Who you are? How do you relate? Why are you here? What are you going to tell us? Hey, everyone. Yes, my name is Kamapala Chukuka. I am a mom of three boys. And I also write children's books for ages zero to 10. Um, I am based in London, 
but I'm from Cameroon, married to a Nigerian. So yes, I am definitely an African, proudly African, very proud of my heritage. And I write books too that ref reflect representation, that showcase diversity, that are culturally sound, because I believe that children of all races, it doesn't matter who they are, need to have this diversity in the books that they read. And I feel that, you know, by doing my small bit, by writing these books, I am adding to the children's literature world and helping to create that um, variety, which children I believe, desperately need in the books that they read. Thank you so much. So we're just going to jump into it and look at the basics. Fisi, I'm going to go back to you because you already kind of said what we're going to say, but I just want you to make it a bit simpler. What is representation and why does it matter? Like to the person who doesn't even know what you're talking about, when you say representation matter matters what are you talking about what is that i think in simple terms representation is someone who looks like you and someone who's living a life similar to yourself okay i'm gonna just give kamapala an opportunity to add on just your two cents to say how do you explain what representation is to someone who has no knowledge of it I totally agree with Fisier. It is about showcasing, um, highlighting characters that are relatable. So representation just means, yes, we have one set, which we're always being, I want to say, forced to see. But then there is a whole other set of characters that live an experienced life and they need to be showcased too. So what Fisi and I are doing is just showing like, you know what, these people have real experiences and they do exist. They're living lives that are positive. We're trying to incorporate those, you know, those morals as well in the represent when it comes to representation. It just means they're there, they're real. They're experiencing life, like the other characters who have blue eyes, blonde hair. That for me is, you know, representation just means this is a set of characters that need to be showcased just as much as the other characters. So that's why I say I'm adding variety. I feel like we've seen enough of one set of characters. We need to see all ranges of characters, whether it's, you know, whether it's brown, it's black. We just need to see everybody in this literature, in the literature that we show our children. So yes, representation just means showing characters that look like us, because in this case, us is black. Showing characters that look like us, showing their experiences, sharing their experiences with the audience or with the readers, and just making it in a positive light. No more stereotypes. We're tired of those. Uh, so Kamapala has just triggered uh, something in my mind. So um, when I was growing up, I used to notice in primary school, most of our characters were from a middle-class background. So it was very rare to find people from other backgrounds. So I also try as much as possible to include people from other backgrounds in my stories, characters from other backgrounds, because middle class life is tiny in Africa. <laughs> so um, you get a sort of uh, overrepresentation of middle class life in African books. Also, I've noticed. I was looking at how 
how does representation look in African schools? And I want us to really discuss it in a, in an umbrella sort of way. Right now, which I really appreciate is we are talking about the literature that is now opening up and representing more children, especially uh, black children or African children in their context. But can we find representation in schools in different aspects, in different places, not just in books? And what examples can, or what examples pop up in your mind as um, like just saying that? Come on, Pala, I'm gonna go to you because you're shaking your head, yes. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I'm from Cameroon. Um, I grew up there, so obviously I went to primary school in Cameroon. I went to secondary school in Cameroon as well. Um, so I think the reason why we are really trying to bring this conversation and really hone it towards literature is because 95% of the time, children go into schools. Yes, they have the social experience of meeting with their peers. Fortunately for our children, you know, when you're in Africa, you mostly interact with other Africans, right? So we're trying to, I think the reason why we're honing it down to literature is because, uh, well, I'll speak for myself. My experience of, you know, African school curriculum or African literature when I was there, maybe things have changed dr drastically. I don't think so because I've just come from, um, you know, another conversation with authors who have the opportunity to go back home and, you know, see what, you know, what they're teaching kids there. And I think, yes, there's been a little bit of a change, but I don't think it's that much. So why we're trying to, I think, why we're honing this conversation towards literature is because as Africans, as Fissi has already said, you know, you want an African, just like here, I'm in London, I know, you know, that the, the curriculum reflects the culture, you know, the English culture, they teach them, yes, they're trying to diversify now, not even like, let's say 0%, I'm not even going to try to quantify that, I know that we're not teaching African history in British schools, um, but, you know, it's it was, it was that for me, my experience back home was, always being taught you know the british history or how you know they lived here like you know fisher said already it's not relatable you you're almost teaching something so abstract to a child who is living a life completely different from what you're trying to teach them so bringing representation in literature i think is so important like fisher has already said because i really i you know i really agree with everything they had to say teaching children about snow in africa is so unrelatable yes maybe the one is aspire to come here but that is you know beyond the you know is besides the point we teach them what they can relate to while they are there experience their culture be proud of their culture not try to be somebody else not try to want to be somebody else be so proud of who you are as a black african child that you know it's inconsequential what they do here in the west stop forcing it down our children's throats because i don't think that is anything that has to do with their upbringing 
doing or what their you know their future should be about i i'm so strong about this i'm sorry but it sound like I'm, it's just because i'm so fed up as well with our children especially back home having nothing to do with this side of the world being thought you know oh the streets of london look like that it doesn't matter to them what is it that they can use there while they're there to better themselves to better their lives to better their families lives that for me is really what matters so literature is something that is so important because apart from math, math again Okay, we're not even going to go here, but I'm going to try, you know, my very best to keep it in like the, the subjects that we used to be thought that had nothing to do with nothing, you know, um, dissecting an animal or, okay, for those who want to be medics, it's amazing. But I'm just, it was just so unrelatable when we could be teaching children, you know, things that relate to our culture. I just feel like that is so, so important. While we're factoring our maths, our literature, it's so important that we keep it culturally relatable to who we are and what it is that we we do in real life. Yeah, I I guess what what I pick up from what you said is that you know, a sense of belonging. As an educator, I know for sure that children will learn and interact with whatever piece of work that you give them if they can see themselves in it and especially the younger ones because they're still at a point where they're quite egocentric self-centered so if it has very little to do with the self it's not easy for them to you know take it from that from the literal into the abstract into whatever other aspect of their own lives so you know, representation does matter. What I want us to share is now what you ladies have gone into. Whose responsibility is it? How do we get it to a point where, you know, we stop having this conversation because it has already started happening. I work in an international school and I can tell you for sure that when we closed schools, we were having this conversation to say, we need to update our books. We need to update like um, the material that we're presenting in books to our students just for that same reason. To say, first of all, these are the books we read. And even people in front of us, uh, generations in front of us read. That had very little to do with us and what we are about. And we are in Zambia. So how do we then now make sure that we don't do a disservice to the children that are coming from us and moving forward. So Fisia, I just want you to touch on maybe the topics that you bring about. You spoke about snow and how far-fetched that could be to an African child. <laughs> I believe you. I didn't grow up with snow and half the time books didn't make sense. I mean, snow just started recently in South Africa. So that's when we're like, oh, this is what they meant. This is how it feels. This is how, you know. But what are the topics what, that, that relate to us that you are writing about? Because I know you said you write for South African, um, you know, uh, uh, audience, children audience. So if you can just share a little bit about those topics that speak to the African child. Um, so let me give an example. So this is uh, a book about a traditional ceremony in a Zambian village. So it tells of uh, community and 
being afraid of speaking in public and performing in public. So I believe relating to everyday African um, happenings is important for me. Um, and then also I've got this one, uh, Orain Kam uh, talks about a heat wave in Africa. So changing weather, that's, that's important to me. Climate change is important. So I incorporate that also into my work. I believe that there's a lot to draw from our environment in Africa. There's a lot of stories. So I don't believe in telling stories from a Western perspective. <laughs> That's very important to me. I don't want to make Africa into this poverty-stricken... Uh, we, we get that enough in the news. We get that enough from others. So I try as much as possible to make it simple, make it just everyday life. I, I, I like that imagery that you know, you're know you trying to put across. We are not just poverty-stricken people who, do, who are helpless and, you know, another person from a different continent needs to come and help us out. We have the resources and it's time that we share the knowledge that we have. Come up if you can share also just the topics that 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 you talk about um especially from the perspective of a mom who has you know children who is like i'm gonna do something about it you know yeah exactly and you know i didn't start out wanting to write children's books let me say it that way okay not in my wildest dream did i think i was going to be a children's author but like you said i'm a mom i've got children and my i i started writing out of necessity i started writing because i knew i had to write and um, because when my children were young i was looking for books that you know, were diverse, inclusive, represented them and who they are, and especially the the age that they were at, you know, little toddlers, just wanting them to see themselves in books. And when I couldn't find these books, or even when I found these books, um, like, you know, Fisio said, it was, it was either full of stereotypes or they were not age appropriate. And I just really wanted them to have books with positive moral virtues with you know um that were relatable but also simple like you know Fisi had said as has said and for me that's why I write I want to write these books that are simple that represent children that look like me but also um one of the things that I'm really trying in my books is to make sure that the pages are full of moral virtues of kindness confidence love um, patience because I remember growing up you know we used to have these fables like these African fables and tales remember them where you know by the time they tell you a story you just want to be a good person you just want to go out there and help somebody remember those stories where you know at the end of the story somebody helped an old mom or an old woman I really used to love those stories because it just made you want to be a good human being so I want to write those stories again 
And I want to write stories that just make children want to be good human beings. So my, you know, I've got a book called Kind OB, and it's just about, you know, this little boy who loves showing, showing kindness and just, you know, everywhere he goes, he wants to be kind to other people. I feel like what's wrong with that? Let's have our kids excited about helping other people. Let's have our kids, you know, feeling confident in themselves. Like, um, Fissi, I think one of your books as well is about teaching children to be confident. Let's have children, you know, confident and the one about the dance, you know, wanting to showcase whatever it is that is inside of them. One of my characters called Ama, Ama want, you know, loves to sing, but is just so worried about what people will think. Let's get kids confident, like, you know, I don't really mind what people think about me. I'm going to share what it is that I have inside of me. Let's have kids excited to just be good human beings. Let's have characters in our books that teach kids to be good human beings and that for me is why I write it's not easy but I feel like by just doing it you know by all of us really like if you have a, one Kamapala here one Fisi here and you know a few other people just bringing their stories to life I think together we on, we're really starting something I think we can we can do something be the change you want to see, right? Definitely, I, I absolutely agree with that. So, Fissi, I'm going to go back to you. As you were talking, I'm just thinking to myself, what does a lack of representation do to a nation? Because ultimately, we're trying to, you know, I always say to my friends that you, your children are children for so limited years. You are actually raising adults. Whatever you're instilling, you know, these are the tools that they will be using as adults. So good or bad, these are the tools they'll be using as adults. So in the hope of a nation building an idea, what does the lack of representation do to a nation? And Kamapala, I'm going to come to you and you answer the, 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 the flip side of that and you know, to share what does it do when there is enough representation um, in, in education and what does that then do for a nation? So I believe it feeds into literacy. They have low literacy levels. You can blame that also on representation in books. I've heard from friends right now. I'm in my 30s. I've heard from friends who say, I didn't understand the books we used to read back then. And it made me disinterested in all books. And I believe children also need to see themselves in books for them to be interested in reading. And it fits into a reading culture of a nation. So you find if literacy levels are low in a country, look at their books. What, what uh, characters are in those books? What situations are in those books? I also believe that in the long run also, it affects uh, the knowledge of a nation because literacy is important for people to understand what's going on in their own nation. And it just feeds into <laughs> these huge problems that we're having right now in African countries where a person can't understand a state address by a president where they're saying, <laughs> what's going on here? Because they don't get it, they don't understand it. So I believe it's, really really is a building block lack of representation just affects everything in the nation before i add my two cents i'm just gonna throw to you what is the positive side 
out of it when there is enough representation? What does the nation look like? Um, I'm again, you know, Fisia, you're just giving all the answers today. You're full of it. Um, I, I'm just, I feel, I personally feel that when a child is proud of their heritage, when a child is proud to be who they are because they know who they are, they're not trying to be somebody else, they will thrive in every aspect of life. And that, for me, is what representation is. I want to be Kamapala Chukuka. I want you to say Ankara in Africa. We eat jollof rice. We love it. I want to be that person that instills confidence in children so that when they call their name, when they say it's Fisier, not Fisier, you will have to call it Fisier. You will not be like, oh, how do I pronounce your name again? And especially since I am a diaspora and I live in among this, you know, in the West or whatever they call it, the West, I don't know why, but I live here and I feel like children that come here, children from the diaspora are more than ever need to be so proud of their heritage they need to be so proud to be like yes i'm african i'm not british i am african you know i'm from nigeria and i'm proud of it that for me is what representation means and most importantly on the continent we need to hone it in we don't want our children wanting to be john smith because it's it's the mindset thing isn't it it is. At the end of it all, it's a mindset thing. If you teach a child to hate themselves and want to be somebody else, you're making this person more superior than that child. In that child's eyes, this person is just a better person than me. But when you teach your child that, no, you are a superior being in yourself, look at the things that you've done or your ancestors have done and be so proud of yourself because your ancestors, first of all, had this knowledge that cannot even be, you know, like they would call it whatever they want to call it, but be proud of what they achieved in the time that they did. That for me is worth representation. And I think that's why we need to write our stories by ourselves. Don't not from somebody else's perspective. Let's write our own stories, stories that are just full of our thing. This is our thing and we're proud of our thing, you know, don't, you know, even if they tell you that our thing is not the best, that's, you know, that's not what we know. We love our thing and we're just really proud of it. For me, that's why representation is so important. It's the most fundamental building block in any human being. When a human being knows who they are, what the heritage is, when they're proud of their heritage, that's where you stem from. You just spring from there because you're so proud of yourself. Nobody can tell you any different. So for me, that's why representation is utmostly important in our children's books. Utmostly important. Yeah, so true. I want us to now take it into um, the parent perspective. And I want you to start thinking about my parents, two generations before three generations before i think that's as far as we'll go and 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 see the effect of their education and i can say confidently that has created peers that are either 
you know, they lacked so much representation or they did so much of the Western uh, curriculum in, in Africa uh, because I remember in, uh, in, in South Africa there was a time when there was a movement of students from uh, African government schools into private multiracial schools and the representation started going lower and lower in the sense that firstly you're most likely to be with a handful of black children and majority of either only white children or other uh, uh, other races indian and white that's the that's the south african perspective and, and then we grew up not even speaking our home languages that's how much the curriculum has done to us in the way that it was set up or arguably the way that it is set up to this day where you have children that don't even speak their home languages now i want some advice from you ladies to say to parents what needs to be done this is a parent who most likely is a middle class uh, citizen works her nine to five or his nine to five um uh, the children have been taken care of uh, after school by the nanny or whoever it is that's home and they are just trying to get the children to get what they think is the best in education however they are losing out on these other aspects that really can make you know that confidence or you know that leader in that child that will call up their own people as they rise up so you know firstly the culture of reading we don't even have enough of that in african homes i just told you a scenario of a nine to five mom or nine to five dad who when they don't want to hear anything about a book that must be read or what, what we say ladies what how are we going to tackle this one because you have created the resources they are there what now how do we bring them into the home what is the conversation uh, so i'll give an example of uh, my south african publisher so the partner with organizations that help help them to distribute books across South Africa. And right now they are looking to distribute across Southern Africa. So I believe that uh, parents also should look into organizations that distribute books and publishers also that are interested in distributing books into their homes. Um, okay, not just literature, I've noticed that there's also other media that's now rising from Africa. There's animation. Um, I know there's some parents that don't enjoy reading to their children, especially if you have, like you have said, a nine to five, you're too tired. Um, you can go for an animation. So I've noticed also there are a number of books also that are available online. Uh, that you can download. Also, my publisher has got an online website that a child can just thumb through on their own. So the website is called book-org. 
So anyone can download the book at no cost from anywhere in the world. You've actually given quite a bit of examples. So nobody must come back and say, wow, but what must I do? Because you spoke of animation, you spoke of audiobooks, you spoke of, you know, even downloading from the internet for free. So parents, no more excuses. Kamapala, is there anything else you can add as to, you know, how do we assist our parents? Okay, before I answer that, I'm going to go back to your previous point of our, our generations or our forefathers, of our parents two generations back and how, you know, the lack of representation affected them. And I'm just going to give this classic example, um, perming our hair. Um, I know that it was a big thing for them back in the 60s and, you know, in the 70s. And I think that was something that right now, you know, we are really trying to reverse. I know that so many black women, you know, um, were affected, whether it was through fibroids or cancer. Look at that. So for me, those are kind of some of the things in some of the ways in which we are, we destroyed our own, you know, our communities because we were not proud of who we were by doing things like that or lightening our skin because we just wanted to be somebody else. And that's why, you know, and I, and I say that because I know a classic example of, you know, um, a story that I was told about this little girl who was asked to draw a self-portrait. And when she drawn herself, she wanted her hair to be blonde and straight because, you know, for her, that made her look pretty. I think things like that, you know, are things that we seriously need as our generation, we seriously need to reverse. We need to do everything in our power to change that narrative where, you know, we are not good enough until we're somebody else or until we look like somebody else, you know, until our hair is straight or, you know, or until our skin is lighter, until our hair is blonde. I think these are things that we in our power need to be really kicking against and trying everything in our power to make sure that we love ourselves just as we are. And in terms of helping our children with parents who are, you know, too busy, I totally agree with you, Sia. While I would say this, because times are hard, parents are truly trying their best to make ends meet, to make sure that their children are, you know, receiving the best in life I get it I'm a parent as well I work I I have my own business so I understand that sometimes I might not be able to give my kids all the attention that they need but this has said it all there are different ways in which children can still taking this you know this knowledge or you know digest some of the you know the books that or the characters that we're trying to help them to see you know in the books that we write or in the animation so Yes, while you're so busy, I also believe that everything in life is about sacrifice and structure. And, you know, so I'm not saying that you have to spend your whole night trying to read to your child, but a five minute story here, a 10 minute story here will not kill you. You know, if you just organize yourself, structure it so that that 10 minutes that you spend to read a story to a child is so important in your daily routine, you can do it. I really get it. I absolutely get it. It's not every day that you have the time to read to your child. I totally, completely get it. But it can be done because it's important, because it needs to be done, you know. So 
a little sacrifice here and never killed anyone. <laughs> you know, put a little bit of sacrifice, get your child to see something, you know, positive about themselves before they go to sleep. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted us to speak about people as people as resources. I think um, it's important that we have books as resources, but if we look back into our cultures and our practices, our tradition, you know, a lot of what represents us, a lot of information and Kamapala, when we started, you spoke about folk tales, um, you know, that, that had lessons in them, were shared through, you know, um, people, grandmas, grandfathers, uncles, and so forth. And slowly, you know, we are not doing that as much. And, and I don't know what can be done. What, what is your suggestion? How can we bring back that practice? What should we do with our children so that, you know, they are reconnecting with the elders, especially to share this wisdom? Because in all honesty, we never were a people that trust books because books were written by a different voice who observed us and decided that this is what was happening, therefore this is what it meant. Our people would sit around a fire or uh, we call them lapa, under a lapa, and you know, have these talks, share stories, some are scary, some are what. So how do we bring back that because it was authentic, it was honest, and it was from the horse's mouth. You know, it wasn't embellished the way that books are, which might answer the question of why don't we have as much interest in books? Because a lot of lies were shared that way also. So, Fissier, challenge, how do we bring that culture, that practice back? Ooh, I don't think it's coming back. <laughs> I believe also because the extended family has broken down. I don't think the extended family is coming back anytime soon. Okay, I can give an example of cooperatives that are incorporating that environment of sitting around the fire, telling stories. There is... Um, a local bookshop here called the Kalulu Creative, based in Lusaka. So almost every other weekend, they have uh, story time around the fire, and people are encouraged to take their kids there. Um, city life, especially, you don't find people seated around the fire telling stories. So I think parents should look out for those also not just looking out for occasions for yourself. Uh, make, your, make sure that your children have plans also as well. I like that. We are always out for what can I do this weekend? We forget to, and what will the children do? Yeah, no, I like that. And that is so true. We have these events, you know, and many of them are trying to put their stuff on your Instagram, on your Facebook, on your, on your Twitter, wherever to say, there's going to be such and such event that promotes the culture of sharing, sitting together, and just sharing the culture. Um, Kamapala, what are your thoughts? 
different times, different, you know, different ways of approaching, you know, life. So while maybe we might not get the stories by the moonlight, like we used to say, <laughs> but like, you know, as Fisia said, I'm sure there are, there, you know, um, organizations out there that are still keen to to entertain, to keep the kids, you know, grounded and tell and share stories. So as parents, we need to look out. We need to be on the lookout for these organizations and see, you know, where we can find resources that still empower our children to be who they are and still keep our culture going. I'm sure there's so many, you know, the people still out there who are very keen on keeping our culture going. If you as a parent are keen as well, you want to be on the lookout to find other people who are similar mindset as you come together, because that's really what it is, isn't it? It's always going to be about community. It's always going to be about like minds coming together and doing things the way like minds want to, you know, things to be done. So I think it's really important that you always be on the lookout, find the places that are doing what it is that you want to do and do it with them, partner with these people. You know, like for me, the passion is there. I'm always looking out like, okay, who else is doing what I'm doing? Who else is interested in the things that I am doing? And that's how you get to build community. That's how you keep traditions going, by just coming together with people that think like you. Because together, we will always continue to rise, I believe. So the one way in which, you know, all of these things have been taken away from us is because we were divided. But I think as a people, I can see a lot of movement when it comes to people who are so passionate about getting things the way we used to and just being really proud of our culture. So, yeah, there's a movement. There definitely is. And hopefully we're part of it and we just keep at it. Yeah, I think uh, you ladies kind of summed it up let's use the technology to our advantage be on the lookout of what is happening around you in um in in this context in how we want to share our traditions our practices and i think also just to add on as we use people as resources just you know teach your children to be curious about who they are where they come from what it means to be where they are and you know that will surely lead them somewhere you know where they will take all their people with i like what maya angelo says about her always having her people with her you know when she goes on stage you like meaning her ancestors you know she calls upon all of them that takes someone who understands where they come from who was there before they became so just to teach our children of these things to understand exactly who they are so before we close up our session both of you are authors you are writers and you write children's books so i'm just going to give you an opportunity to share um, where your materials can be found uh, whether it's hard copy or it's online, just to share that information so that people who are listening, you know, and are encouraged can start today. So like I shared earlier, so you can find uh, my books on book-.org. 
and also in most South African uh, bookstores, you can find uh, physical copies of my books. You can also find a short story that I wrote for teenagers, yeah, uh, on Amazon. But I think I'll share uh, later. Uh, I'll send it to your email. Okay, Book Dash, SA Bookstores, Amazon. Kamapala, where do we find your material? You can find me on kamapalac.com. Um, and my in, I just kept my handle really, um, you, you know, I've kept it uniform throughout all my social media. So that way you can just, you know, when you, you search for Kamapala C, you can find me. Kamapala underscore C for Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn. And I think I'm now on threads. Goodness me. No, I don't keep up to date on all this because I do have a life. Social media is not my life, but I, I do try to have a social media presence, um, you know, wherever I can. And um, just because again, it really helps for people to find you. So yes, I am um, Kamapala underscore C on all social media platforms. So you had it for yourselves, kamapalac.com and kamapala underscore C on all social media platforms. Head there, ladies and gentlemen, and check what they have in store for you. I I will be heading there. Like I have I have a, a very generous little boy, so I need I need this content. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Tavahokan Gote, and that's all we have for you in this episode. Bye. Thank you, ladies. Be part of the solution. Talking is not enough. We need action. So I am challenging you today. What are you going to do about what you just heard? Tell us all about it on social media. Tag at Africana Women or hashtag Educated Africana. The Educated Africana is part of the Africana Women podcast network. Subscribe, review, and share this episode to help us keep the conversation going. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at Africana Woman or hashtag Educated Africana. Catch you next week. Oh,